Before we get started, I want to take this chance to thank each and every one of you for listening to this show. This is our last episode of 2018, and I can't help but feel nostalgic about what an amazing year it's been. When I started the show, I had no idea how it would turn out or, or how it would be received. Now, I couldn't be prouder of these 42 episodes and our amazing listeners like you. Thank you for supporting the show, and thank you to all of the guests from around the world who took the time to sit down with me over Skype and talk about toys, open up about their process, and tell their stories. I truly think of this opportunity as a gift. I appreciate you all, and I am so excited for our return in 2019. We're going to take a couple of weeks off and then return with a batch of new episodes in January. So until then, happy holidays, happy new year. Thank you guys so much for listening and enjoy today's show. You're listening to the Toy Photographers Podcast, the official podcast of toyphotographers.com. I'm James Garcia, and on this show, I talk to photographers around the world who are turning Lego, action figures, miniatures, custom creations, and more into amazing works of art. This week, I finally got the chance to interview Vesa Ledimaki, who has influenced many toy photographers, including myself, with his work as Avanaut. Vesa's incredible photos of snowtroopers on Hoth or Star Wars ships found in the real world are famous inside and outside of our community. He's been on my wish list of podcast guests since the show began, so I was thrilled to get the chance to finally sit down with him. We talked a lot about his process, his history with Star Wars, his book, Small Scenes from a Big Galaxy, and much more. I know you guys are going to enjoy this episode, so without any further ado, on with the show. Vesa, thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast. I mentioned this off air, but I just want to say on air too that I'm such a big fan of your work. You're one of the people that got me into toy photography. You're obviously such a big name in the community and outside of the community. How do you feel about your work as an artist? And do you find that there's any kind of pressure that comes with the, the notoriety that you've found? Mm-hmm. I don't think about it. It's, <laughs> it's something that just feels really alien to me. <laughs> I mean, the... the uh, I just shoot what I find interesting. So it, it's it's not like a uh, sort of a, a project to to get famous or or to get visibility. It's, mm-hmm. it's just something I like to do. So uh, a few years ago, when when the images went, they they, they uh, sort of uh, went a bit viral. I guess that's the word. And I received on my Flickr account, it was like one million hits per day. Wow. And those all those people, it was it was new. And, uh, and a lot of people wanted to sort of uh, send me messages and, and emails. And I, I spent, there was like three, four, five months when I spent like six to 10 hours per day because I tried to be a good person and respond <laughs> to every message. And, and I was really busy with work at the time. So it was quite overwhelming, but it's, uh, it's not something that is my goal. Right. And I'm not trying to imply that that is your goal at all. I'm just curious, you know, because you are, you do have a, a bit of notoriety in this, in this hobby that it's become a, such a bigger deal. I'm just curious if there was pressure that goes into that or, or if that has at all changed the way that you take shots or, or think about it when you, when you do. And it sounds like it doesn't, which I think is good. Yeah, not much, but I try to find new things. I still do. And I, I, I find myself thinking that is this something new? That some, some some something that people haven't seen before, and it can be something that you know encourages to find new. But it can also be something that stops you making something that you think, oh, this this is this is not new. People have seen this all. Yeah, I don't care. So I'm sort of in between those two 
Thoughts? Let's rewind the clock a bit because I want to talk yeah. about some of your history. Uh, you've you've written before about loving movies since childhood and trying to make your own movies. Yeah. Obviously, movies are a big influence on you, like Star Wars. Can you talk a little bit about your history with film and trying to make movies as a kid, and then ultimately how that influenced you as an artist? Well, uh, I'm in Finland, and when I was a kid, we had two TV channels. That's it. And the program started late in the afternoon, and and it ended at like 10 p.m. So we didn't get too much, but there, there was this uh, uh, idea that they, they, I don't know if it was something about educating people or, or what, but they showed really good curated movie series uh, on TV. So, like uh, there was a summer series of, of uh, old uh, European classics or, or westerns or, or horror movies. And I watched those movies all the time. I've seen those Italian neorealistic neorealism classics way too soon <laughs> as a kid and, and everything sort of left an impression so when I when I grew up older I uh, wanted to make films myself we had this crummy super 8 film camera which which I used for my for my movies <laughs> I did uh, stop-motion films with it but it didn't have a stop-motion function so oh, I, I just uh, triggered it really quickly and got like <laughs> three or four frames at the time, but it worked. What were you doing a stop motion of at the time? Was it was it Lego stuff or? Um, uh, there was Lego stuff. I was really uh, I was intrigued by. Uh, I, I really wanted to have a slow motion uh, shots of, of Lego being crashed against the wall. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you see it nowadays on on websites like Gizmodo or or whatever. But I tried to do that in, in, in late 70s when I was like under 10 years old. Oh, and wow. that era didn't work like, like that. The crashes were like five frames long and there were no details because of, of the motion blur. But I, I tried these things. <laughs> and the animations, I, I built these models. Like there was this one model which had four legs and it walked on snow, sort of mechanical robot thing. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was an influence from from a certain film from 1980, but, but um, things like that, short, short clips. <laughs> Later on, uh, I moved to more serious live action things. Awesome. Like young men do. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I think we've all played around with cameras and, and making our own movies and stuff at some point, right? Yeah. So uh, Star Wars obviously has been a major impact on you and your work. Uh, when was the first time you saw Star Wars and what, what is it about Star Wars that, that captured your attention so much? Star Wars premiered in, in May 25th, 4th, what? oh my, oh I should know this, but in, in Finland it, it, it premiered on, on, on the 18th of December 1977, so we had to wait a little mm. to get there, and I saw, I, I saw it soon after that, after that, I don't recall if it was in December or early January, but somewhere around that time, and uh, I, I, I I've said to many people that 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 era, the 1977, waiting for Star Wars and seeing it, it was it's it's like Woodstock of my generation. It's it's such a big thing, big mm -hmm. huge thing. Uh, not to everyone, but then uh, not everyone were at Woodstock. So, but the uh, for me, it's it's it's. I think it was obviously the the story, but it's the design, the 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 miniatures, the the, the visual things they they did. Because it, it was, for me, that was just something, well, out of this world, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's a good so, way to put it. <laughs> Ralph McQuarrie and, and all those, uh, the, the model makers at the uh, 
that at the uh, warehouse in Van Nuys before ILM was founded. Well, uh, I think the, the thing that uh, often gets gets forgotten is is the uh, Roger J. Christian, who did the set decoration and 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 created the props. He he made the lightsaber and he he was responsible of how the Millennium Falcon looks like inside. Hmm. All those tubes and and pipings and dirt, dirty paddings on the doorways, missing panels, all that was his doing and that was so real for me and that it really blew me away those minute details that were just perfect i mean if you look at uh, i'm not trying to take anything away from the present day people who do their jobs but but if you look at the the million falcon in in force awakens it doesn't have the same magic I mean, they, they have the drawings, they have the reference, they have the template, they have everything, but they can't capture the magic Roger Jacobson did. And that's that's unique. That's something very special. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree with you. And um, so those those design elements, were those things that you even noticed as a kid when you saw Star Wars? And those are things you latched onto or, or things you noticed later as you as you watched the films more and more? Mm, I, that, uh, I reacted to them at the first time I saw it. It was so overwhelming. An experience sort of uh, uh, divided into details and which particular thing was that was it and that was that. And, and I, I remember that Greedo was bluish in color from the first view. <laughs> that's that's what remained in my head for years. Back, back then, when you tried to find out about, uh, find the, their backgrounds information for any of this, it, it wasn't available. I was I was a member of the, of the Star Wars fan club. They have this uh, membership magazine, this was it quarterly, uh, Bantha Tracks, mm-hmm. which had some rare background information here and there. And then there was this uh, uh, Starlog magazine, which I subscribed to uh, and stuff like that. But there wasn't really the, the information available today is, is just completely different as seen that was back in the day. So there, there was different kind of magic then. But now when you, you actually you can you can uh, locate individual parts from from an X-wing model that it comes from this and that scale model from pre 1977 uh, Tamiya kit. The magic is still there, but it's different. It's mm. it's that sort of a sense of awe when you realize the work, the 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 the, uh, the talent and, and the vision they put in the movie all those years ago. I mean it's. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. And it's something even when I was a kid and watching, uh, you know, any behind the scenes stuff they'd have, like doing the Death Star trench run or, or anything like that, just all the models and miniatures. It, it's it's really impressive the the amount of work that went into it. So building on the, the Star Wars thing, Hoth obviously has had a huge impact on you as well. Yeah. And, and something that you you show in your work a lot. What was it about Hoth specifically? Was it because of Finland and, and the connection there, like the climate and stuff or? Or what was it about Hoth specifically that it comes to the climate? Yeah, but but uh, after after Star Wars, there 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 were rumors about Star Wars Two, hmm. which I remember a magazine in Finland writing that they are coming to Finland to film it, and I was like, I gotta I gotta go and see it. I gotta right. go find out where they are, what are they doing. I'm, I'm going to sneak in and do whatever I can to get a you know pick up pick up the system but then the information vanished and i was i was sort of caught uh, in thinking how would that look like and for me it was always a midsummer setup in somewhere in lapland you know with with fells and and midnight sun and and all those 
uh, sort of uh, barren landscape with no trees. But then uh, so the information started to trickle, and and and, and there were there were these uh, scenes from from various places, including this snow. Uh, landscape thing and even when we found out about Hoth I, I, I thought that that was something else that wasn't it was not the fin finished thing that there was snow somewhere else I still thought about those landscapes I had in mind and when I finally found out that they were not coming to Finland and Norway was it and it was a winter setting it, it was a shock I mean I, I was just it I was it was terrible I mean I was so disappointed <laughs> that I was not going to see the things I had in my mind and that they were not coming to, to my country. The, the, the later the story was that it was because uh, uh, we, 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 we were uh, next to uh, Soviet Union and, mm. and, and the Western film crew that wanted to come over here to film and they needed military gear to get to the locations. And the story is that, that our military uh, declined because huh. of the uh, Western thing. Yeah, and they went that's interesting. Nowhere instead. But I, I tried to uh, find verification for that, but nobody seems to know anything. It's <laughs> just a rumor. But it's a fun rumor. Yeah, that. yeah. But anyway, the, when the Empire Strikes Back came and, and there was these this hot scenes, I, I realized that the, the, the winters we had, I mean, it was the same snow. It was The winters were never the same again after that. It was always the first snow each winter for me, it was like a miracle of author, something <laughs> like that. It was very, uh, it, it just ran my imagination to overgear every time, each time. Every kick in the snow was an explosion on, on near near the rebel base or something. <laughs> so it, it really all comes together to the uh, climate thing. Awesome. That's amazing. I, I wonder if, uh, cause I grew up in a desert and I think I probably thought a lot of a uh, tattooing and stuff when I was playing around with Star Wars toys as a yeah. kid. So it, that makes sense that, you know, you'd latch yeah. on to the landscape that you're familiar with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Every set pit is rancorous pit. So. Right. <laughs> you blow yeah. snow around all over the place. And you're, do, you, yeah. do you have a, a dedicated space for, to, to make a mess like that? Or do you, do you find yourself cleaning up snow all the time? What is it, what is it like working with so much snow in, in your photos? It's, um, the, the, it, it's baking powder. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's the best I've found. It, it looks the best as, as, as snow, in my opinion. And and to to get it airborne, you have to get it airborne, and it, and it floats away. It it just goes everywhere. It's 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 horrible stuff. I mean, I used to shoot uh, on, a, on a living room table next to our bookshelf, <laughs> and and one day I took a book out, and I was like, oh my god, it's all white. <laughs> and uh, I, I I used to uh, get it up up my nose. I mean, you know. I've heard all, all the jokes about cocaine, but but the the, the powder when it get, gets up up your nose and it's moist and it starts to react. And I, I got these horrible nosebleeds. Oh, <laughs> <after wow. shooting. laughs> it was it was terrible. But but I have now we, we made these uh, repairs to our house, and I have now now, now this nice little corner where where the uh, the powder doesn't float out that much, so it, it gets better. But but it's it's just. I've bled for this thing. <laughs> well, I would say that it was at least as a viewer, it was worth the struggle. So and the memories, great memories. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. How did you get into photography, and then uh, when did you start photographing toys? Well, that that has to 
go back to the 70s, to the late 70s, very early 80s, when I, I tried to uh, also capture those Lego crashes with with camera as well. But I, 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 we had a Chromi camera and I didn't know anything about it then. I just, I had access to some films every now and then. And I was, there, there was no, nobody teach me hmm. how to operate a camera. So the, the results were uh, disappointing to say the least. <laughs> so I, I, I still have a few of those old photos of Lego of, of, of an action man I had and some, some miniatures. But then, then, then I uh, sort of, uh, uh, left it for more serious art, perhaps, and uh, I uh, sort of uh, uh, return to it every now and then for for a photograph or two until the uh, toy book thing came along, in which I began documenting the uh, toys in our house, just putting them on a white background and just shooting them to for cataloging them. Hmm. Was that just personally you wanted to do that, or was that for a project, or what, what was? Why did you yeah, start doing that? I had this idea. I, I still do. I, I'm still working on that. The, the, uh, the, when when we, we have a kid, and when when when, the, when a child grows up, the, the toys change along the way. From the first toys, he can you know can't eat mm-hmm. for safety reasons to to, <laughs> to more sophisticated stuff. I. I figured that it would be great to document them all, every single toy the kid has until he's 18. Hmm. So when he comes of age, I will sort of uh, put them all together in a book where he can look back at every single toy he had. Because those toys, they break, they are given away, they are tossed away and mm-hmm. all that. So it's sort of uh, uh, childhood memories, but through the uh, toys. That's amazing. How, how far are you in... in- completing that or getting to the end of that uh the the, the the folder with the photos is about out of control but <laughs> i still have a few years to to finish it but uh, when i got to we, we had these uh star wars action figures and and when i got to cataloging them i just started to photograph more and more and just got stuck at it yeah, and the rest there is history, right? <laughs> yeah, once once you started doing that and and seeing what you could do with Star Wars figures, how did that morph into the stuff that you're doing now? What was the the photographic journey for you? After after realizing that I know how to operate camera now, uh, and and since it it was uh, it was my first digital camera, the uh, the films didn't cost anything, and, and it was. I, I could experiment as much as I want and get the immediate result. So the uh, I realized that. I had the tools I had wanted to have when I was a kid, so I just sort of uh, tapped into that old, old sort of uh, state of mind hmm. and started to see if if there was something there. And oh boy, <laughs> there, there was a lot. <laughs> there was a lot to explore. All those, all those, those old ideas, all those old uh, sort of uh, things I've read from. Uh, all the other books and magazines of, of making movies, the uh, ILM stuff, or you know, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, all that thing. They, they just sort of uh, poured out all the all the, all the uh, knowledge and information I had acquired over the years. When when did you uh, transition into doing uh, Lego stuff? You, you said you started doing action figures, and then when did Lego become kind of your main, at least for a while, your main subject? I had I had made a decision to not photograph Lego, because the amount of Lego, I, I didn't uh, think that I would you know, catalog each and every brick. So I just thought that I, I would take just a few few photos and save all the uh, building instructions. 
Hmm. So that would sort of deal with that. And I, I thought it would be sort of like a uh, you know Pandora's box or, or something that, that if I go there, it would never end. I mean, it, it was sort of uh, too, too big a thing. But hmm. eventually I just figured what the hell <laughs> open the box right <laughs> yeah let's let's do this let's see see if there's anything there it's just curiosity so once you did open that box was it just did you just immediately fall in love with it or how did you start photographing them regularly and and getting into that i don't know really it's uh, <laughs> the action figures are fun uh, as, as as a subject of photography but, but there's one thing that i i, I don't i don't not like it but, but it's something that I find a bit difficult is that, that they are uh, sort of uh, human-like, but they are not realistic enough to pass as real things. But then they are not toyish enough to pass as toys. They, they are stuck in, in between these two worlds somehow. Hmm. So when I started to shoot Lego, it only took me about half a dozen images when I had the blizzards in them. And, and they just worked. I mean, it, it was so. I was so the, the feedback from from the photos. I mean, the the, uh, the test and, and success. It was so fast. I mean, it really sort of uh, kept feeding itself. It, it was like snowball, you know, growing, going downhill. Hmm. It just grew. And I, I don't know. I, I don't mean the necessarily the, the the feedback I got online because I was uploading them to Flickr, but, but the, the feedback I got from the satisfaction of, of, of creating something new, something that I didn't know where it was going, it, it was mm -hmm. really exciting. Yeah, and something that captured the, the vision that you were going for or the, the feeling that you wanted to capture, something like that. Yeah, and it, it felt like, in those early days, it, it felt like a genuine adventure of, of sort of a pioneering going to... A, a frontier that, that it, there was no sort of a president. It, it was it was empty. There was nobody was there. It was mm -hmm. like it was like going into a world alone. It was like yeah, I'm the king of the hill here <laughs> for, for a little while. Yeah, I guess in some ways you were kind of ahead of your time with the with the toy photography thing and the, and the Lego photography thing. Uh, how long ago was that, that that you started doing the Lego photography? Uh, the the I uploaded my first action figure images on, on Flickr in late June 2009. Hmm. And it was maybe two, three months later when I started experimenting with the Lego. Yeah, then I think that you were kind of ahead of the curve there. Like you said, you're just alone on a, on a new frontier, which was that exciting or a, a little intimidating or? Um, I don't know. It, it was exciting. I think and it, there was something that really satisfied my curiosity. It was like I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know where it was going to. But it, it, it was just new, different. I mean, somebody would have figured that out eventually. But I just happened to be there. There, there were Lego photos online, of course. But, but the toy photography scene wasn't, it was quite new at the time. And I had, before that summer of 2009, I had no idea it even existed. I, I mean... I hadn't come across of any of that. It, it was just I, I googled like like Lego photography, and I was like, "What is going on? I mean, <laughs> what is this thing?" And then the action figures and, and all that just wow! It, it, I had completely missed all of that. <laughs> I mean, I, I was father to a young kid. I didn't have time to you know 
hang around on the internet. So. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think that's interesting then that you, you started doing it out of your own just curiosity, whereas somebody like me, I saw your images and thought, oh, I could do something like that. There were a couple of guys who, who, who uh, did sort of uh, show me that there are doors to be opened. The, 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 uh, the first one was um, uh, Chris McLean, mm. of course, mm -hmm. power pick, power pick with, with, with his photography. And the other one was was Mike Stimson, mm -hmm. which which both I found early on. And and Mike Stimson had this series of he had inter interpreted uh, these classic photographs yeah. until like it was like two thousand and eight or nine, some somewhere around that time. And and that that was sort of for me that was that was when I saw those images. I was like, all right. There's there's a lot of things that can be done here. So that was an eye opener. So Mike Mike is a a, a true true pioneer. He he really <laughs> he really keeps the first doors open from my point of view actually. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Mike's work as well. His his images of stormtroopers were also part of what really got me into toy photography and yep. and uh, I I refuse to photograph any other kind of stormtrooper than that like classic uh, early two thousands. Stormtrooper that he yeah. had just because that's what I fell in love with, you know. Yeah, the, the one with the gap in the, in the mouthpiece. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> so, um, were, were you always a fan of Lego? Like, did you like Lego as a kid and, and just got into it, like, started photographing it later? Or were, did your kids have Lego or? Uh, I had Lego when I was a, when I was a child. Yeah. The, uh, I had this idea that like back then there, there were, when, when I was a kid, the, the uh, Technic Lego arrived. I mean, I, I built before and, and I finished with them, with the, the early ones. And, and I had this idea that, that I, I, I built everything in red <laughs> because I had the, the most bricks in red. So, so it just happened to have. I mean, and then, then I, I tended to buy red sets. So and everything was red. So, but the, uh, when, when the minifigure arrived, I was moving away from the... Uh, the childish aspects of the, of the time <laughs> I was building these serious mechanical techniques things, and I, I only had this one one minifigure when I was a kid, the Red Spaceman. That, mm. that was the only one I got. And later, when 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 our kid showed interest to Lego, I, I just checked it. Ah, oh, Lego, what what's 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 there? Ah, oh, they have this Star Wars set. Wow, I didn't know. So he <laughs> just sort of, uh, came back with it. Vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know how that goes all too well. I'm sure a lot of our listeners do too. Um, I want to talk about your book, uh, Small Scenes from a Big Galaxy. I, I love the book. I've got it right here next to me on the bookcase over here. How did that opportunity come about and, and what was it like working on that? I'll, I'll show you. The, uh, at one point, I, I made this this little book. You see that? Mm -hmm. that that's that's a, a birthday book for for the kid I made in 2011. And these were these were the images I had at the at the time. Oh yeah. I made this little book. It, it's like a sort of a bedtime stories with with photos. Hmm. Uh, I, I think I think it turned out really nice. So I, I made an English version of it too, just in case. So uh, when I was working with Lego, uh, with the uh, Hobbits and Lord of the Rings mm -hmm. images in, in 2012, 13, this thing just happened to come up in a conversation <laughs> conveniently. And uh, they, they, they wanted to see the book and they liked it 
and it just sort of started rolling from there. Hmm. It was sort of a or organic thing. Awesome. What was the process of working on it? Did you have to take new shots for it? And and there's a lot of writing that goes along with it in the book. What was it like actually working on the book itself? Uh, it it took a it took almost a year to to make it. There was a lot of uh, legal wrangling with with their attorneys mm-hmm. and stuff. But that was a surprising surprisingly big part of the whole thing. But it's it's those uh, of course the big big intellectual property they 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 do take care of mm-hmm. and the uh, technical thing with, with the photos I, I i shot i think 15 new images just for the book so it was pretty intense but the thing about the book is that i, I think that we, we made it at, at the at the very good moment because i think that it it's still has some of, my, some of my best work in it i mean, <laughs> I, I, mean I, I look at the book sometimes i just Man, how did I do that? I mean, I don't remember how 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 I did some of those images in there. Hmm. It, it was really intense at, at at one point when I was finishing the book, and it, it was quite quite an experience. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask how you feel about it because it it came out a while ago, right? Uh, yeah, years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I was going to ask how you feel about the work in it now because when I whenever I've worked on a, a long photo project, what I find is that. By the time I get to the end of it or I've been doing it for a while, I look back in my early shots and I go, oh, I don't like any of those anymore. I want to redo those in the new style or whatever the case may be. So um, it, it's it's interesting to me that you look back and, and you think, how did I do some of that with, with your old images? That, uh, yeah, that I mean, a big project like that, it really messes with your head. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you don't you, you lose all the objectivity to your own work. But I think I didn't open the book for, for a year. Oh, wow. after <laughs> but at least I was like, uh, I, can't, I can't bear to watch, uh, see any of those images. But, but gradually I just, you know, started to, to look back and, and really enjoy what's in there. And, and to my surprise, as I was at some point, I was trying to sort of go for something I did for the book and I found out that I can't, <laughs> I can't make it happen. Again, so I had to go there and just open the open the original files on the computer and try to analyze how the. But I don't know. Maybe maybe it makes it unique <laughs> in that sense too, because I can't be I can't reproduce it. Right? Anymore. Yeah, it's like a time capsule of of your own yeah. work. You know? Yeah. It's indeed, that, that it is. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel like your work has has grown since doing the book? Mm, uh I said that uh, the, the, the book came at a very good moment because at the, at, the, at the time the book came out, I think I had figured out most of the things I think there is to figure out on, on, on that particular style of photography. And, and uh, I don't, there has been very little, little sort of big, big revelations hmm. after it. So I, I sort of uh, paused photographing for a while because I, I didn't know where to go hmm. after the book, but gradually there it's there has been some really nice moments with the camera again, and I'm, I'm enjoying photography again very much. Good. Not that I didn't enjoy it in the in the meantime, but but it, it, it I feel it sort of has some directions now again. Hmm. So. Interesting. What what would you say is that direction or, or that momentum? What is What's the new thing that's driving you? Uh, maybe maybe it's, it's more like a feeling of of, of uh, sort of uh, when you going going uh, 
after a photo shoot, you, you get this feeling that, that this looks different, this looks nice, there is something new to this. So I don't know where it's going, but it's going somewhere. That's mm -hmm. the maybe better way to say it. Stepping away from your work from Lego, I've also also always been amazed by your work with ship models. I, I you know I don't want you to spill all of your secrets, obviously, but I'm I'm curious what your process is shooting shooting the larger ships and and what you do for those and what that photo process is like. Um, well, uh, that's another uh, sort of a, a really long project. It's I mean I have I have one model here. I haven't shown it anywhere, but it's uh, this. Uh, I know this thing. How can I? You can see it here. Yeah. I think I'm. I'm going to do a post about this. This is not the only one, mm. but it's an unfinished model. This is from from early 90s, late 80s, I think somewhere. I had this idea that I built these models for, just for photography. It's, mm. It has uh, electronics in there, and it's you know kit bashed and all oh, that. Yeah. It has this uh, mechanism here with. There are these guns coming here, and and but I, I didn't I never really finished these models, and never got around to actually shoot them. So this whole project came to be after I had experimented with the uh, action figures and, and and some Lego, and I figured that hey, if if these things work, maybe I should try try the uh, scale model thing. So yeah. I went to. Uh, uh, store and, and, and bought this uh, small Y-Wing model and, and put it together fast and, and tried shooting that and, and man, it worked really well. And I was like, <laughs> yay, great. And so, so I just started to, I needed more models than, than the one Y-Wing. And so I, I, I've been building, building them slowly over the years to trying to fig figure out uh, what kind of uh, paint job and, and lighting works in a camera. Because if, if you build, build a uh, uh, sort of a, a replica of a screen used uh, Y-Wing, it, it, it's quite crude. Actually, it works beautifully on screen, but if you look at it in the photo, you can see all the uh, paint splotches and hmm. everything. You have to paint it differently. And, Interesting. And that's, that's what I've been trying to experiment with. It's, hmm. I'm, a, I'm a just I'm a really slow builder. I mean, that's <laughs> tedious, necessary evil. But uh, it's uh, I, I, I carry a camera with me uh, most of the time when I when I go outdoors or. or Leave the leave the house for walks and, and stuff and and uh, if there's something interesting I see if 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 there's a nice fog or or nice lighting or nice nice snowfall or something something in the air something in the atmosphere uh, I just take pictures and and if they come out nice I, I try to figure out if one of my models fit in and if they do I just start to uh, find a uh, matching angle hmm. that. that how the model would sit in the uh, in the environment I had shot earlier. And that that can take a long time to figure out because the uh, the, the if if you sh if you should should a, a scene with with a 16 millimeter lens wide angle and you use the same lens same angle on a model thinking that they would match. I mean it's same angle same lens just different distance from the lens but it doesn't work that way you, you have to hmm. sort of I, I don't know if there is a formula or or maybe maybe the, the the real professionals know how to do that but nobody does that anymore everybody everybody does computer images and so, right. <laughs> so, so it's, it's just a lot of uh, uh testing and trying out and and once you get the angles right then 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 you have to figure out how to light it. Right. That was my next question. Was how, do you have yeah. to match the the beautiful fog lighting that you got outside? Yeah. yeah. That that takes a 
some some attention to. So it's a, it's a lot of work, but but it, but it's a, I really like the uh, the effect. The 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 biggest uh, sort of uh, disappointment or 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 uh, disappointment is not the word. It's, it's like a sort of uh, well disappointment is that when I photographed the, the first Y wing, I thought, yeah, this is pioneering work again. I'm I'm, I'm yeah, this is. And then then I found that it's been done before. Mm. Uh, and I and I uh, uh, this uh, Cedric Delsol, this, this French guy who did the, the dark lens book, which is amazing uh, selection of images with with, with uh, scale models and toys in in real life environment. It, it was that that was one of the darker moments with <laughs> with this whole thing realizing that this this idea that I I'd had for years had been done in the in the meanwhile when I was doing something else. But but I've been quite open about it that, that I didn't invent this. It was it's it's been done many times. Hmm. I'm not trying to claim the idea, but but it's 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 a it's a it's a really fun uh, way to play with these models. Yeah and it kinda it's it's very reminiscent of how they were shooting the original Star Wars movies, you know, with little yeah. model ships and and uh, yeah, yeah. Do, do you ever get that feeling like I'm doing what they were doing back in the day? Mm. There, there, there have been moments when, when, when I have not another. I gotta pull it. Hang on. Yeah, yeah. At this point in the conversation, Vesa gets up and returns with a beautiful, amazing, gigantic model of a Y-wing spaceship from Star Wars. This thing, when when I first put this thing together, this massive, this weighs like I don't know three kilos. It's it's really a heavy thing. Yeah, it's when beautiful I put, too. Put this together to, to when I first saw the the uh, how how big uh, how the how the uh, proportions of this thing is to the naked eye for the first time. That that was a moment of you know sort of uh, revisiting the magic, the, the feeling that this is really special, hmm. and and the, there is there is really unique uh, work put into this this design. But I haven't been able to capture it with with the camera. Just, this is a the model I have worked the most on. It, it, it's the most expensive, the most complicated, and this is the one I built for the longest time. And I can't photograph it. I mean, it's it's so frustrating. This is so <laughs> difficult. There's only one angle it works, and it's I've done it already. But you never know. You you, you have to you have to uh, try. I mean, you have to you, you can't figure it out before trying it. So if I hadn't uh, built this, I'd still be wondering. So right. that's that's the way it goes. I mean, the 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 X-wing I built in the same scale before that. That that, that worked from the first shot. Shot is it just works every time. Hmm. It just does. That doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Is the um, X-wing just more photogenic or easier to to pose, or what what is the the some, difference there? Some, do you think maybe it's the the, the those long uh, horizontal engine things that, that just if, if you get the slightest error in the angles it just gives it away immediately the x-wing is a little bit easier the easiest is the millennium falcon which is which is round you can mm -hmm. you can make mistakes and it still looks looks like yeah right it's it's there all right so <laughs> but it's very really interesting to figure these things out it, it sort of satisfies the the, the, the uh, sort of the, the, the first impact of seeing those things on screen back then and it still sort of captures uh, it, it's the whole thing goes after that magic what if 
What if they were real? What if what if there was one sitting right next to my house? What would it look like? Instead of this, this uh, when, when kids go out there, they figure out they have these mind games of, of imagine if there was this and that over there. It's sort of a taps into that child's world, hmm. but with grown up uh, sort of uh, tools. Right. Yeah, that's one thing I, I love about your, your model work is that because, you know, there, there are a lot of people doing Star Wars toy photography. And w whenever I tend to do it, it's it's like I'm trying to recreate a scene on Hoth or, or something like that. I love that you put those models in the real world. And even when you write your captions, you, you write it as if like, hey, I was going on a stroll this morning and I came across an X-Wing in a parking lot. I think it's got some graffiti on it, like whatever. I, I, I love that you insert your yourself into those stories and, and put the ships in the real world. I think that really gives it a, a unique angle to to approach those things, I guess you could say. I really like writing those small texts <laughs> along with the photos because it's after sort of a... a Having photographed and, and, and edited the image and, and just looking at it, uh, almost done with the last little, you know, uh, take a piece of uh, a wire out or, or something. That's the moment when the stories come. They, they just write themselves. I, mm. it's, it's so effortless. I, I mean, I enjoy writing them because I'm too, sometimes I giggle myself uh, aloud. I giggle <laughs> because it's just effortless fun. That, that's that's the word, I guess. I love that. And I think that comes through in your work. That's good to hear. <laughs> recently, you've been experimenting with underwater toy photography. I know you've done it before, but it, it came back up recently that you wanted to start doing that. What what sparked that idea originally, and, and what is that process like? Uh, I don't remember exactly where the, the idea came first, but when, when I thought about it, we had booked a, a holiday in Italy for the family and we were about to leave and and I didn't have a sort of a point intruder camera and I needed to buy one and I, I was thinking that maybe there are these sports cams that work underwater like a, like a uh, what do you go, call it, this uh, GoPro or something like mm -hmm. that. And then and I found one camera, it's not a GoPro, it's just a cheapo thing and we went to to this holiday and just before we left i thought well i, I could try shooting toys underwater and when i when we were on, on the plane i realized that i should have taken lego but i, I took this action man and and it, it was nice but i saw the potential the first time i tried it i was like oh my god this looks amazing i we came home and i googled everything i could find about uh, lego underwater and all I could find was one image of some someone just had put their kids' Lego underwater and taken a picture of it. It was just a photo of a toy underwater. Yeah. There, I didn't find any sort of a serious attempt to actually shoot a toy underwater, except for for Brian McCarthy's images a few years earlier. But they they were sort of these design custom toys, and there was really elaborate art shoots with, with models swimming in a pool oh, and the wow. toys that attached on the floor. They were very different. So I figured that this was, again, something new, something that hadn't been explored before. So I gave it a go. Hmm. We, we, uh, I shot some images in, a, in, in Finnish lakes, but the uh, waters in the lake are, are a bit murky. They are, it, it, it didn't look good. There's all these little things floating around. Hmm. So next year we booked again a flight to Italy. We went to the same place, 
same island, same beach. <laughs> and, and I had, had two days to shoot with these Lego submarines in the Mediterranean, crystal clear azure blue waters. It was so much fun. But, but uh, <clears throat> you, you can't. You can't see much under. I mean, with with a snorkel and a mask, it's it's really difficult to. You'd have to really go with a good scuba gear to to calm everything down and really shoot. I haven't done that, but maybe maybe someday. I don't I don't know. But to to reach those really clear waters, you you have to fly. You have to you have to take an airplane and fly hours to get there, and that's that's a bit of a trying to avoid flying but one has to you can't have an omelet without breaking the egg i guess <laughs> yeah what are your creative goals for the year to come uh, we're, we're at the end of the year now you've mentioned a few times wanting to to go into new territory and try new things and you've got that newfound excitement about your work what where where do you see it going next and what are, do you have any goals there, there is one thing about next year that uh i have to think about because that's it. next year is the uh, the 10th year i've, I've uh, been online as i've out so so I'll, I'll try to sort of keep that in mind if, if there is something that makes something special but but I, I don't know it's it's i have no i have this i have these ideas about uh oh this this is new this i haven't seen this before okay let's go that way or or but i don't have a strategy i don't i don't have sort of uh, plans for for quarterly plans i mean in the first quarter i will do this and then the next and that and i have i'm just going going it's, everything is from the hip i mean you know let's see i, I have no 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 big and, and that can be pretty exciting too, you know, just going into the great unknown, I guess. Yeah, uh, uh, during days, I, I work as an illustrator. That's that's my job. And I, I, had, I had two deadlines today, and I'm really, really tired. But uh, I need something to, to sort of uh, relax from that hmm. when I'm on free time. I used to be a graphic designer, and I, I draw pictures on my free time. But now that drawing is my main job. I have to figure out how to relax with something else, and photography seems to be it. Hmm. So the less there are plans with with what I do with camera, the better, because that's that's how it stays sort of a recreational thing. It just goes with the uh, impulses, and it, it's really sort of a lovely state to be in. Do you have any advice you could give to people just starting out in toy photography or photography in general? Just a, a, a digital image doesn't cost much i mean you can you can just shoot your heart out i mean not literally that that didn't come out right <laughs> i mean just just go and shoot shoot away and that it's the only way to learn i think is to experiment to try to try new things and i think there are some good tutorials in, in online you can find those those come in handy when you're struggling with the tech if, if you if you don't know how to uh, what, what the uh, aperture means or 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 if if you don't know how to use raw images and once you move to use raw image then many doors will open. I mean I, I never shot JPEGs JPEGs JPEG. how do you say that even JPEGs yeah JPEGs I mean I can't it's 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 it's, it's very rigid. I mean, hotkey images. If you, if you go 
shoot images, that, that's fine. But but for for this, I would recommend trying going going for the raw if if you can. If you use you use a cell phone, it doesn't matter. It just Go out and shoot, or stay indoors as I do. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to do that too. Just right here in my studio, it's like I don't, I don't need to go outside. I can I can re and you've done an amazing job of recreating other planets in in your studio. So you clearly don't need the outdoors either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, my my studio that's <clears throat> that's another thing. It's 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 a table. It's 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 very small. <laughs> but then when you shoot small things, it can become relative. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Again, um, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. And like I said, you're, you're one of my heroes when it comes to toy photography. So it was really an honor to, to talk to you. So thank you. Thank you. This, this was fun. Thank you so much for listening. You can find new episodes of this podcast and daily articles on creativity and toy photography on our website, toyphotographers.com. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. We also ask that you please leave us a five-star review. That'll help spread the word about the show and help us get noticed. You can find us on Facebook at Toy Photographers and on Instagram at underscore Toy Photographers underscore. Music for this week's episode is courtesy of freemusicarchive.org. And finally, you can reach out to us with comments, concerns, recommendations, etc. at toyphotographypod at gmail.com. I'm James Garcia. You can find my work every single week at toyphotographers.com, as well as on Twitter at TheRealJames, real spelled R-E-E-L, on Instagram at TheRealJames23, and on my website, TheRealJames.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you guys next week.